Marge, I agree with you in theory. In theory, communism works. In theory. In theory. In theory, work. Communism works. In theory. Communism works. In theory. Hi there, and uh, welcome to the inaugural episode of Works in Theory Pod, uh, the podcast where we read theory so you don't have to. Uh, I'm Nate, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Alicia. Hello. And Tom. Hello. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this is just like a sort of uh, intro episode, give a little idea of what we hope the podcast is going to be like, what we hope to accomplish with it, maybe a little bit about ourselves. Our hope for this podcast is to introduce people who are interested in reading uh, anarchist and utopian theory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, one thing, uh, are we explicitly about anarchist theory or is this all theory? I don't know. I, I said anarchist, but, uh, I don't want to necessarily limit us, but I was also willing to just say anarchist. And if anybody said, yeah. Hey, that's not anarchist theory. I was just there is, shut up. <laughs> there is a, uh, a heavy leaning. Yeah. I, I mean, I identify as a really bad anarchist anyway. And <laughs> so I feel like that's a lens that I see a lot of the work that I'm reading through whether it's explicitly anarchist or like not <laughs> yeah yeah what do you think about the word utopian i like, I like that it's a pretty hot word these days <laughs> yeah i thought so too so i thought we could go with that add a little bit of sex appeal um, <laughs> yeah i mean we gotta we gotta push that in some place yeah of course because <laughs> it ain't coming in the rest of it not, no. <laughs> exactly well, see, that's like that's because we're the nerds reading the theory, so that like the sexy, cool people going to the parties don't have to. Right. That's our audience. Our audience are the sex appeal. Uh, yeah. So basically, this is going to be a podcast uh, where we read uh, books of theory uh, about how to build a better, more beautiful, more just, uh, and freer world um, from like a left perspective. Uh, and geared at people who are interested in learning this type of stuff, uh, but, you know, aren't uh, ever going to actually sit down and read like a two or 300 page book about it. So I don't know, Tom, do you want to talk about the audience a little? So the audience for our show, we imagine people that don't have any, you don't need any knowledge of the book or topics or politics or basically anything. It's not required, uh, we hope. Um, it is possible that some of it might be a bit more than what we can necessarily provide in, you know, a single episode of a podcast about a political theory book. But uh, we don't expect anyone to have spent, you know, time themselves reading to follow along or anything. No, no. In fact, we, we are specifically gearing this to people who aren't reading. Right, exactly. This is specifically for people who are too cool for reading. Uh, we're going to do your homework for you. Uh, you don't even have to pay us. <laughs> yeah, because one of the big barriers, I think, to understanding works in theory, uh, theory, theory that has been written, is just that it takes so much time and energy um, to, to read the book. Uh, so we're going to try to fill that void. Yeah, and cut out all the boring stuff. Let's let's get right down to it. 
Yeah, and also cut out all the racist stuff or all of the, <laughs> the really bad takes. Are we going to do anything to address controversial aspects of these utopian theories or are we really just going to take the highlights and tell them what they need to know in order to non-critically love whatever we're reading (laughs) no that's a good point you know we'll still address those we're still going to talk about them but um you know being able to look at it through our current lens you know and that'll be part of you know does it work is it just something that works theoretically or is it something that over time has degraded to the point where it's not something that anyone can really take to heart. That's, that's I think, one of the things we keep, or at least I keep uh, going back and forth on, is are we uh, looking to simply transfer knowledge, or are we looking to also present our take on it, right? Like, give a lens of, like, our own understanding and different things in the world right now. And I think it's going to be a, a mix of both. Yeah, and I think, to be honest, we could try as hard as we wanted to just to transmit the information objectively, and we would end up transmitting some of our own biases through it. But no, I I totally agree that we should be open to critiquing these, to looking at them and seeing if they accomplish what they set out to accomplish, seeing if they would work in reality or just work in theory, you could say. Um. (laughs) Right. Right. That's what we're doing here. Uh, Our plan right now is to record probably monthly um, and release monthly Uh, the style probably kind of dry for a while because we're still trying to figure out this flow right now it's it's hard enough reading a book finding time to to record about it and write all of the notes and do all this stuff so uh, humor is going to have to come later probably and to be fair we chose an extremely ambitious book to start with we are going to be reading the book, or we we did read the book Mutual Aid by Peter Kropotkin, and that is the first work that we're going to be engaging with on this podcast. Through discussing that work, we um, have already come up with some other ideas and topics that we want to bring to this show. So it's it's all going to get faster from here, I hope. Yeah, if every book takes us three months to get through, then I, it's not sustainable. I was saving this for a little later. I was going to ask all of us, like, what do we, like, sort of what to get out of this pod? Or, like, why uh, did we want to do this podcast? Here's why I am interested in doing this podcast, and especially right now. Uh, so I think that everybody can kind of see that whatever the current world order is right now, whether it's, like, the one that's prevailed since the end of World War II or since the end of the Cold War or maybe since the beginning of capitalism, uh, that world order is sort of collapsing. And I think it's kind of hard to escape that that idea, even among sort of not politically activated people. But I think that like we've been living in the end of history for so long, in this period where there is no alternative, where it's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism, like they say. Uh, that it is hard for us to imagine what might come next. And it can be very isolating, you know, it can be very scary uh, in this time of great change. And what I'm hoping to to impart is that people who are thinking like that are part of a wider community, and not just a contemporary community, but a lineage going back over 100 years of people who have been thinking how we can build a just and free society. And I want when those moments of change come, 
uh, which I don't think we're going to be able to predict. When those moments come, I want people to have as many arrows in their quiver as possible because we don't know what the situation is going to be. But, but like I said, people have thought about this and we can use what they've thought and, and have those things available to us uh, when we need them and have these ideas swimming around in our heads as we're building the new world. I'm just looking at my notes and it's like, um, I have all of these personal reasons as to why I wasn't doing this. And I didn't even think about it as being a way to disseminate knowledge to other people. It was more of like, I think I took the prompt as like, why am I personally doing this? Why am I doing it at all? Right. There is my first point that I have written down is that I wanted to do something more impactful with my time. Yeah. I've, I've, I think I've wanted to do something like this for a long time. I did have a bunch of cool, uh, cool notes about why though. So for instance, uh, one of my favorite quotes is from King of the Hill where Dale Gribble is firing people. He has a, he has to get a job and he starts firing people because that's what he's good at is being just mean. Uh, and he, he says, what would you do with unlimited free time and no income to somebody? And, and then it's just one of the funniest things to me to say to somebody, because it's just the least empathetic way you could do, you could do that. Um, but that's, that's essentially what happened to me getting laid off and then, uh, having all this time and nothing to do. Uh, so that it kind of just drove me into, into doing more stuff like this, uh, stuff that doesn't require a lot of, in, a lot of money and does require a lot of time. Yeah. No, knowing that I don't need to be perfect or know everything to be able to talk about something. Um, because I often, I don't want to say something that I'll regret for one thing, but also like, and oh, so that's I'm going so <laughs> to work the on The internet does that to us all. Yeah. A big question that I had for you while you were talking was, are those personal or selfish reasons really that selfish? The act of you and of us collectively, because we're working together as a group, understanding and sharing some interpretation of, in this case, the book Mutual Aid, like that is actually a form of mutual aid, sort of, because this information is now freely available, like without, you know, exchange for money. Yeah, that, I think that's a really good point. And yeah, I think that's also why I felt like this was an okay, like this is a space that I don't feel as, um, where I don't have to feel like uh, this is just self-aggrandizing or something. This is not for me. <laughs> Giving it the the lens that I have, I guess, would just be like, usually it's doing things for capital. Usually it's doing things for money. And so finding new avenues where I can expand my own understanding of the world and my own understanding of myself, uh, where it has no real potential for monetary gain. Yeah, I really love the idea of uh, doing like the podcast as a just in and of itself, like just like a work of passion and, you know, even like generosity that has nothing to do with making money or making a profit or like, I don't know, improving our marketable skills. And in that way, you know, I think that uh, just the the very production of this first episode is a success uh, because we sure as hell aren't making any money off this. It's similar to what, uh, what you were saying earlier, Tom. I believe that you brought this up about uh, the idea that just anybody can do it. And that like this idea that it needs to be some sort of expert is actually like really elitist and really authoritarian almost that there's like one way of looking at things and that you have to go through the proper channels to be initiated into the society where you can speak authoritatively on this thing or that thing. 
that's a really good point. I think normally the stumbling block I have is um, I don't want to pretend to be an authority and I don't want to mislead anyone. So those two things usually keep me from um, speaking up too quickly. And I've had to really learn how to shut the fuck up sometimes because, uh, you know, I'm a white guy. So like being an authority is easy. Uh, I don't know if that's going to land. Being taken as an authority is easy. Let's say that. And one of my other motivating things is uh, in the last few years, I've had a couple of people tell me just randomly that they thought I was a thoughtful person. And I'd never considered that as a compliment, but it's like the best compliment I've ever received. And it was like, I like that. I want to be known as thoughtful. Like it would be great if people saw me and they're like, that guy thinks about things. <laughs> uh, not, not like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't want hot take. I don't want to be hot take Tom. When I think about Tom, I think, yeah, <laughs> that guy thinks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like there's, there's he, this guy fucks and this guy thinks, and I want to be this guy thinks more than this guy fucks. Okay. That didn't seem to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know the joke I'm referencing or... I do I was just going to let you keep going I don't but I think it's fun. okay <laughs> that's great uh, I guess let's talk a little bit about who we are uh, your backstory what brings you to uh, to be making a leftist utopian podcast I'll start uh, my name is Nate he, him pronouns. Uh, I live in Oregon. I uh, consider myself a social ecologist and anarchist. Um, I guess I sort of first started getting into leftism uh, when I was very young without realizing it, uh, just because uh, I hated being told what to do, you know, ever since I was a little kid. And uh, for a while, I thought there was something wrong with me. And then I just uh, elevated that sort of a uh, Piccadillo to a moral and social ethic. And now I say that I do that because I'm an anarchist. I studied ecology in school for a while, uh, but eventually ran out of money and had to drop out. And uh, now I grow hemp outside of Salem, Oregon. So uh, as Nate mentioned at the top of the show of the episode, I'm Tom. I'm a web developer in Seattle. Uh, Basically, what brings me here is uh, I ended up having a lot of free time this summer. I realized how much I enjoy reading. I'd kind of forgotten how to do it. Uh, I got involved some, in some anarchist book clubs. They got me interested again in it. And um, like in a longer timeline, my trajectory has been, uh, you know, basically Bernie Sanders uh, 2016 campaign kind of like introducing a wider range of politics and ideas to me and then uh people on bread tube and 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 uh different podcasts so like that kind of trajectory brought me to uh making random friends on the internet uh the reason i have for doing the podcast is personally just to learn more uh to kind of expand my knowledge and philosophy and political theory um, and the podcast kind of gives me a framework that um, requires me to put an effort to to get there. And second reason being to spread that knowledge, uh, kind of in line with what Nate said. Um, I don't think that political theory is something everyone 
wants to read or should want to read. It's a very particular kind of subject that I think it's useful, but not particularly easy to just sit down. It's not light reading. It's very, I found it to be very uh, difficult. So I, I would like to make that, that learn that curve of getting into understanding it lessened. Uh, Alicia, do you want to do an intro? I am Alicia. I am this show's token Canadian. I am in Southern Ontario, Canada. And you know what? The other hosts on the show are actually like further north geographically than I am. Oh, weird. I want to do this podcast in order to get better at engaging in conversation because despite any past experience I might have with radio shows or whatever, I am obnoxiously mic shy and have a really hard time engaging in discussion groups. I just automatically overthink and shut myself down before I even get the chance to talk. And I, I've actually done this for a living before, like not on a podcast, but I worked as a nature educator and I had to do all the nerdy readings and distill it down so that the audience doesn't have to do that. They just get the highlights and like connect with it is the goal anyway. I don't know if I have a really interesting origin story. I often just say that I listened to too much propaganda as a teenager. So now I'm an anarchist. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. I mean, I think music is like, it's an amazing propaganda tool, you know? I mean, it, it lets you get across things that, and get people to, to listen and think about them that they would just totally ignore if you were just saying it to them. I listened to a lot of punk when I was a kid too. Um, and I mentioned earlier, like about sort of just never having a good relationship with authority. And I went through a lot of my life just having a belief system that was vaguely anti-authority. And, you know, I count myself lucky because I think it, I could have gone the way of the South Park fucking libertarian, you know, uh, but what really like cemented things for me was after I graduated college, I got a retail job. And um, I just remember like waking up one morning after having worked the previous day and being scheduled to work the next day and just being like, wow, so is it just this until I die now? And I refused to accept that. And so I immediately started thinking like, well, what are the alternatives? Like, why do we have to work? That's that's incredible, honestly. <laughs> to me, that's like such a level of self-awareness that I just never, I never went through someone else had to tell me to think about it. <laughs> and so I, I find that really cool. I was interested in a lot of my hobbies. Um, D&D, &D, it was something that made me want to understand people and motivations and like, why do people do what they do? And how do you make them happy? Like sitting at a table, what, what are the things that drive people and that they like? So that sort of stuff really resonated. And then it finally, uh, probably 2016, I had a colleague recommend Chapa Trap House to me. Uh, cause I've been talking a lot about politics with her. And then from there, it was just like, what is this entire world of politics that I've never heard about? Um, and I feel really happy because I didn't continue to go down that path. Like, I feel like that's a, an aspect of left politics that is just a little too mean spirited, probably a lot too mean spirited and like way too exclusionary. Um, and just like, 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 uh, has often very 
misogynistic and like transphobic takes and just things that are just like not something that I want in my life. Um, so then I found Feel Seriously Wrong and that's like where things kind of cemented more for me where like, okay, here's a way to talk about stuff that's funny, but not mean and also like really thoughtful. And so that's, I think, been my whole trajectory of how I got to where I am. It's not very uh, focused and it's not very well read, but uh, that's like, to me, another part of what, what this is, is like, I want to be well read. I want to know what other people have said so I can refute it or I can, or I can uh, embrace it. I will also never claim to be very well read. So don't feel bad about that, I think. I would like to consider myself kind of like, I don't know if I'd frame it as lucky as much as like, there are just some things that you don't just get to get lucky and stumble upon. Uh, For example, it was my very first job, actually, when I was 15. Um, It was near or at the end of that career I think I quit when I was 17 or something this is another one of those kind of weird formative stories um I was trying to organize my workplace at the age of 17 and no one was down and so I got real jaded right away (laughs) (laughs) I guess is the short version of that story uh it was there was um some homophobic bullshit going down at the Tim Hortons that I worked at and I hated it and it just hurt me so hard and I it's hilarious to think about now I I I remember specifically like creating a secret this makes me sound like such a millennial because I am but uh, I created a a secret Facebook group and I invited all my friends slash co-workers and I was like we need to do something about this um the situation was two of the folks that I worked with were dating each other or whatever and they both happened to be dudes um and that was like not allowed that was like very much frowned upon to the point that they actually transferred one of them to another Mm -hmm. store that they owned and everyone was just like oh yeah that's well normal right and uh or or on the other hand and these again these are children right like these are 17 year olds but they're like oh but i can't say anything because i need this job and i'm so powerless yeah and i'm so powerless compared to the people making these decisions yeah yeah that fucked me up (laughs) and it's been downhill ever since (laughs) I mean, I think that's amazing. I, I would, it wouldn't have even occurred to me at 17 to do something like that. I think that's, that's like just such a beautiful impulse that you saw something like that and you were just like, uh, no, that cannot stand. That's us. That's the podcast. Um, thank you all for listening to this intro episode. Hopefully it piqued your interest and you'll be back, uh, for the first official episode, uh, on chapters one and two, uh, and the introduction to Peter Kropotkin's Mutual Aid, A Factor in Evolution. Uh, Really excited to see you all there, or have you hear us, rather. Um, 
yeah, just look forward to dropping this feed, uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Communism works in theory. Communism works in theory.